since we've no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. A deflector, she's. A deflector, she's. A deflector, she's. Okay, welcome. Welcome to the next edition, the latest edition. We are going to be moving pretty quickly through this because I'm very busy. I have a lot of things that need to be attended to today and tomorrow before uh, I go on a four-day break. And there's just a lot of stuff going on, travel and school and everything. So this is going to be a shorter one, but I still wanted to have something this week because there are a couple... Uh, definitely relevant things that I want to talk about both in my local sports world and the general more vast open nationwide sports coverage so the first thing I'm going to start with is not sports as funny as it is (laughs) you're thinking what was the deal with let it snow as the first thing like this is April are you looking at the wrong calendar is everything okay is are you just missing Christmas no everything's fine those of you who are local know exactly why I'm playing this because as I am recording currently Tuesday at about 2.30 p.m., uh, we have whiteout conditions in Grand Forks, North Dakota. There is snow falling, blizzard warnings everywhere across 75% of the state, and there's about probably 30 mile an hour sustained winds blowing across the plains right now. So, I just thought that's a fun little side detail for those of you that aren't in North Dakota, aren't understanding what it's like sometimes. So, here we are in the middle of April. I know people that are out doing things in the sun with 60 degree weather in places not that far away from here. And here I am, and it's 30 degrees in snow. And in our south in Fargo, it's 40 degrees in rain with zero snow on the ground. So, yeah, that, that, that's just kind of the meaning behind that in case you were thinking, what in the world is this dude playing Let It Snow for? Is this guy losing his mind? Uh, you know, if we keep getting snow halfway through the start of spring, yeah, I might start to lose my mind. But it's pretty nice out, to be honest. And, like, I, I don't mind the snow, right? I can't mind the snow if I'm going to live out here or the cold. But I will say it's it's nice when it falls like that. I, I like I like seeing snow. I don't necessarily like driving in it, walking in it, you know, but being inside in the warmth, watching the snowfall, it's okay. It's not that bad. We can get used to it. But that's that's my mini North Dakota update for those of you who aren't in this state or in this region that are curious about the local happenings. Uh, you can't see when you go outside. Your visibility in your car is about probably a quarter mile at most. And, uh, yeah, the pilots here are not happy trying to, the student pilots, I should say, are not happy here trying to uh, get their flight hours in. So uh, to all of you student pilots, good luck and have fun and be safe. But you're shut down anyways, so it doesn't matter. Any, okay, I'm moving on. Sports, that's right, that's what this is about. Okay, so first thing I want to do is I want to talk about Dwayne Haskins. Uh, obviously... This is kind of old news or white noise, right? Everyone knows what happened. Uh, It's terrible. It's tragic. And I want to have an actual more... It's going to be a lot more conversational than what I did last week with the whole mental health aspect of Moon Knight, where it was just kind of like, you should seriously take this 
and and watch it and understand what's happening here with with what happened to Dwayne Haskins obviously a terrible situation a terrible thing to have happen um but I'm not going to go into you know the whole impact on the game that he had you know obviously he was a great quarterback at Ohio State he he was a friend he was family he was close to a lot of different people and and I'm not you know, I'm not going to act like I was part of Dwayne Haskins' inner circle because obviously I wasn't, but it's a terrible situation and it's a terrible loss. And, you know, I'm not going to act like I'm somebody that I'm not. I'm not going to talk about how much of an impact that he had on my life because, I mean, he was a great football player, but, but I didn't, I wasn't close to Dwayne Haskins, right? there. There are different times in different instances where sometimes people will act like they were right there next to somebody when everything happened and you know people can still have impact on other people right Dwayne Haskins has a huge impact on Ohio State fans that were around when I was a Michigan State fan and Haskins was killing us so it's it's just it's something that I don't want to necessarily talk about the actual death I want to talk about what Adam Schefter did. And I am going to preface this by saying, for those of you who are naive enough to think that I'm about to come at Adam Schefter because of the university that he graduated from, you're out of your mind. You seriously are out of your mind because that has nothing to do with anything. And I'm not saying people are waiting, chomping at the bit to give me hate for being a Michigan State fan about to bash the living crap out of Adam Schefter. Um, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with that. So I just want to get that out of the way right now before anybody even thinks about saying anything stupid. Okay. Adam Schefter went to University of Michigan. I'm a Michigan State fan. That has nothing to do with anything. Hell, I don't even go to Michigan State. Grad school is a little complicated. I don't even go to Michigan State. So, with that said, and with all of the housekeeping out of the way, with all this stuff out of the way, he needs to be fired. And I'm not usually one to call for someone's job after a mistake like this, right? I'm not someone when they screw up or they make make an issue out of something that shouldn't even have happened or, or make a bigger issue out of something that's already an issue unnecessarily escalate things and that's what Schefter did I didn't call for it I didn't want Juwan Howard okay I didn't want Juwan Howard to get fired when he smacked the Wisconsin assistant coach I thought there could be a conversation about it I said I wouldn't necessarily disagree if Juwan Howard should be fired but but in this case not only did Adam Schefter say something completely off base? He knew it was off base because he deleted the tweet. And then he spoke ill of the dead. And I'm not somebody that goes into all these conspiracy theories about... I don't, I don't even know where I want to go with this. Like, I don't believe in this whole idea of, you know... All the dead are watching. There's this whole, you know, ghosts are everywhere, right? Like, 
Dwayne is watching over all of us in ghostly matter form that we can't see, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but I don't like when people talk ill of the dead, even if they misspoke, even if they said something that was wrong, even if it was right. It's one thing if it's a typo and, and Adam Schefter says something and didn't realize that it auto-corrected to something, and then he sent it out, and he's like, oh, crap, I misspelled this, right? This is completely different. Adam Schefter took a whole sentence into his you know, announcement of Dwayne Haskins' death to say he was a struggling quarterback in the NFL. That's unnecessary. You don't need to say that. He's dead. You don't talk about somebody like that, especially as soon after he dies, right? When something like that happens... You need to just wait. You need to either say something productive. You need to make an announcement and look back on his life in a positive light. Or you just say nothing. But he's Adam Sheffier. So he has to say something. And the reason I call for his job is this. If it was a smaller reporter on a smaller network with not as much history as Adam Schefter, it wouldn't be as big of a deal because he's not held or he or she isn't held to as high of a standard, okay? Adam Schefter is held to the highest of high standards in terms of what he reports and how he reports it as a journalist and as an analyst with all the inside info from almost any NFL agent that you could possibly imagine. And I'm going to give a solution to the Adam Schefter thing if you don't want Adam Schefter fired. I'm going to give an alternative to that later. But just for now, Adam Schefter is held to that high of a standard. So when he does something like this, you need to treat him with a much shorter leash because he is the face of NFL analysts. He's the face of NFL insiders. He's the face of NFL on ESPN. He's the face of the NFL journalism community. Adam Schefter is the face of a lot of things, right? People in positions of power have a very thin margin of error. You make any small mistake if you are in a position of power. People will find out and they will hammer you and they will bury you for it. And it's well-deserved because you are meant to be a representation of those below you, those who work for you, those who work under you. That is why I was so annoyed with what Juan Howard did, but I didn't call for his job at that point because I don't think it was as serious as of a situation. I think it's a guy who lost his temper, made another mistake, but his players still play hard for him. His players respect him. And I, I just think the Juwan Howard situation is completely different. I mean, it wasn't – Juwan Howard wasn't talking crap about, you know, the coach's dead significant other, right? It's This is a completely different scenario. So when it comes to Adam Schefter now, when he gets held to this higher standard, there's no reason to not fire him, right? There's no reason to keep him employed because not only – is he held to this high standard? I mean, he makes huge cash. I mean, over 40-something million, maybe? I think it is. I, I don't have the exact number. I, I really don't, and I, I wish I did, but I just I just don't. I'm sorry. But, I mean, this guy is... is who, who would you want representing 
your league, your community as a journalist, your network as ESPN. It, it, it can't be this guy. It can't be this guy who just just spews out this tweet just because he's held to that higher standard. And when when he makes a mistake like this, he needs to be held held accountable and judged differently than average, you know, weed smoker down the street that got high and sent out a tweet and was like, oh, he did this, he was struggling in the NFL. That's completely different, right? I'm not going to fire that guy from Kmart. But when Adam Schefter does it, that's a big deal. It's a much bigger situation. Even even if it would have been someone smaller on the ESPN network, and I I can't think of the name, right? I'm not going to just spew out random people. But if it was even someone lower on the food chain, I wouldn't... I wouldn't say that they should be fired. I would say, I would say what needs to happen is the alternative, my alternative solution for Adam Schefter. So speaking of the alternative solution for Adam Schefter, that's what I'm going to get into next. If you don't want him to be fired, if you think it's an unfair judgment, if you think, hmm, maybe he deserves a second chance. Okay, here's the second chance. You need to get him not only, you know, I'm, I'm sure he has these things, right? He's got managers. He's got people that work under him, assistants, agents. He's got people, right? He needs to have a dedicated PR slash social media manager person. He needs to hire that person. And if he does already have a dedicated social media person that goes through and edits and looks at everything he's about to post, he needs, that person needs to be fired because that that was terrible, what Schefter put out. So ESPN needs to force him to hire somebody to filter and censor and edit and look over everything. Adam Schefter is about to tweet and he, they just need to make sure that he doesn't do anything like this again. And if Schefter doesn't want that, then ESPN give him the boot. Right? If you think Adam Schefter deserves a second chance, fine. Then have someone watch over him. Because what he did cannot happen again. Not only for him, but for the rest of the network. That was a terrible look for ESPN and all NFL insiders that this guy associates with. Right, that that It cannot be something that is allowed to continue. This needs to get nipped in the bud immediately. Because Adam Schefter, like I said... He's high up. He represents a lot of people. But people follow Adam Schefter, and people want to take after Adam Schefter. They want to use Adam Schefter's career as a potential model to mold their own careers and to become the next, you know, Adam Schefter, to become the next great NFL insider that breaks all the big news because he's looped in with every agent for every big-name player in the league, right? So... When, when, when he does something like this, he has to get held to that higher standard because of how many people look up to him, right? If I were to come out, which I would never do, but if I were to come out and say something stupid, you know, maybe I, I'd probably get reprimanded by the paper that I work for or I may be fired from the paper that I work for. But, but for ESPN, it's a completely different deal because of how national they are and how worldwide they are. And, and, and the level of excellence that they don't necessarily put out, but the excellence that they expect their employees, their workers, their insiders, their experts 
to put out. They expect the best from those who they employ. And Adam Schefter did not do his best. He did the worst thing that he could have possibly done. And I don't think that that he deserves necessarily a second chance for this. When, when you take something as tragic as that, and, 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 and it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be because of the tragedy, right? I mean, Dwayne Haskins was young, and it was he was smacked by a truck. I mean, brutal, a brutal way to die, a terribly young age, family mourning, and he comes out and he says this thing, and he talks about how he just drops in this little snippet of struggling to find his place in the NFL. You don't do that. You just don't. And I'm not going to get into Gil Brandt on the radio because that's completely different. But and just in case you're wondering, I, I don't have, I honestly don't have the willpower to discuss what happened with Gil Brandt. If you want to look up any news article ever written about Gil Brandt over the last three weeks, two weeks, one week, right? It, it'll, it'll be there. Trust me. But when it comes to actually the stakes of what Schefter did, I mean, how are you going to allow this if you're ESPN? Obviously, there's going to be some sort of penalty, some sort of something, right? Fine him a hundred grand. Okay, he's going to make another thirty-nine point nine nine million, right? It doesn't matter thirty-nine point nine million. Sorry, but it doesn't matter what you do to Adam Schefter money-wise or punishment-wise unless he gets fired. That way, for if you're ESPN, you send a message. Not only can you not tweet out dumb crap when you work for us, but you can't get away with it, right? You, there, there is now going to be an iron gauntlet for ESPN, right? If, if something like this were to ever happen again, they need to make it known that they will act swiftly and precisely to ever eliminate the possibility of something like this happening again in the future. And they should also put out the message that every big name analyst or every analyst, every journalist, whoever that reports news that as active on social media, they need to make sure that they hire some sort of manager for social media, some sort of editor to make sure that they never put anything like this out again so that they can go over and look exactly what the analyst is about to tweet, is about to put on Instagram, is what what they're about to put on OnlyFans, whatever. That needs to make sure it is edited, streamlined, and put out in a professional and correct journalistic manner. That's what I have to say about Adam Schefter. That's the end of that conversation. The final item on our conversation agenda for today is going to be a more local thing for me, not as national as the Dwayne Haskins news. Uh, I want to talk about the Tigers opening series. We're going to do a little bit of baseball today. And you know that I don't usually talk baseball on here. It's not necessarily my forte. I enjoy baseball, but it's just not something that I'm used to talking about, I guess, at least talking about in a bit of an extended fashion like this. The only time that I believe I have talked baseball on this show outside of today is I did probably 20 to 25 minutes talking about uh, Javier Baez getting signed. Maybe, I don't even know if it was that long of a conversation, but this is uh, baseball edition number two, and I just want to kind of talk about 
the Tigers opening series against the uh, White Sox and the the fourth game that they have played all season, their opening series game against the uh, Red Sox and the Tigers have also just lost to the Red Sox, by the way, today. But over the first four games of the season, I just kind of wanted to give my thoughts on on the opening series and, and the first game that they played against the Red Sox as well. Just kind of not necessarily give my way too early prediction for the rest of the season, right? Now, I'm not going to take the first four games and say, oh, hey, look, wildcard contender, even with the expanded playoff in the MLB. But I just kind of want to give some of my thoughts and go into what what I think the team looked like and what I liked, what I didn't like, what what was expected to happen and what kind of did happen and in the direction that I could see this team going. You know, I'm not going to give record predictions. I'm not going to say they're going to the wild card. They'll be four games out by the time that the regular season is over. But I am going to kind of give my ceiling of what this team can look like come September when maybe there is a conversation for something like that or you know mid-August to see if they're even going to compete so let's just give just go go back in time a little bit we're going to go back to opening day where the Tigers win in walk-off fashion five to four on opening day in a game where I watched and it was actually no I didn't watch it I watched game two I couldn't watch the first one because of blackout restrictions on tv anyways (laughs) Um, so, so I'm, I'm tracking the game on the phone and I'm just like, okay, Tigers are losing, Tigers are losing. And oh, hey, look, Javier Baez walk off victory. You know, Tigers had that, that comeback to tie it. And then it went four, three White Sox. And then Javier Baez hit the walk off single. And look at that. Tigers went on opening day. Very nice. So I think that was a great win. Baez in his debut had two hits an RBI and two strikeouts. Miguel Cabrera had a hit, two RBI, one strikeout. Eduardo Rodriguez, new pitcher for the Tigers. Four innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts to not give up a home run, which is good to see because coming from the division that he did, it was uh, very hitter friendly, not only with the ballparks, but also there was a ton of power that division, that AL East. So I believe that seeing Eduardo Rodriguez, yes, did he only pitch four innings? Did he give up three earned runs? Yes, but it was nice to see that the power wasn't necessarily there. There were a couple that went out to, I believe, the warning track. There were a couple hits that I believe seeing on the highlight highlight video for that game, and then also there were a good amount of hard hit balls. But I'd say overall, in his first start, you know, it, it, for the team, it could have looked a lot worse. You know, they, the White Sox were making good contact on him, right? I'll, I'll, I, I get that, but it was his first start, brand new team, brand new ballpark, brand new division. He went through four innings, three earned runs, only two walks. He had two strikeouts. I don't think I don't think it was a bad start. I've I've heard some some Tiger fans and some local, well, not local to me in North Dakota, but local to the Detroit folk of, you know, Eduardo had a bad star in his first in his first star and, you know, it hopefully this signing doesn't end up being bad and, you know, I get that, right? Hopefully the signing doesn't end up being bad, but I don't think it's it's right to to judge just based off this first start. I think it could have been better, but I think it could have been a hell of a lot worse. 
So I'm I'm just kind of still undecided on Eduardo Rodriguez. I was pretty undecided when they signed him too because it wasn't a it wasn't a big signing, but it wasn't like a signing that somebody makes and it gets no attention, right? Like it was just kind of medium attention, a nice player signed to not that big of a contract, not that long of a commitment, and it's just see what happens for two years and then go from there, right? But uh, next one is Torkelson, right? Four at-bats. He had no hits. He had no walks, and he had a strikeout. And then new newcomer signed uh, last week or two weeks ago, Austin Meadows. He had a hit, three walks, and no strikeouts. So overall, the game one obviously was the best game of that White Sox series. But I think it was important to see this team get in a bit of a hole early be down multiple runs late in the game and see how they react kind of get a nice look at the resiliency of this team right i'm not saying that they're going to give up as soon as they're down a couple runs but i mean in game one at home opening day coming off of a season where you know you improved but it wasn't as good as you potentially thought and now facing a little bit higher of expectations it was good to see them face a little bit of adversity in this first game of the series and on opening day and and they did well they scored they scored multiple runs in in the last innings and it was something where i think you can look at it and you can say hey not only were they scoring runs late in the game playing their best baseball late in the game they they were unfazed they didn't look phased and even the young players the newcomers austin meadows looked fine right Torkelson is a little bit of a different story. We'll get into we'll get into that bigger picture later. But Baez, Miguel, and Austin Meadows all all played very well, right? Cabrera had the two RBIs. He had the big hit to tie the game, and then Baez had the game the game winner, right? So I think I think there was a lot to like in that game one, and I'm not gonna overreact, and and obviously I'm not gonna overreact in what happened in these next two games either. But I think. Game one is a, is an accurate representation of what this team can do in this season where, you know, maybe they, they get a tough, with the inconsistency of the pitching staff this year, I'll put it this way, it's a young pitching staff and you're going to have random games where you're down 5-1 to one, next thing you know, or you're down 4 nothing, or you're down 3 nothing. you know, in the snap of a finger and, and they've react, they reacted well in the opening game and I think that there's going to be a time where that experience and that resiliency will come in handy later in the season when the younger guys are starting to get tired. So game two, right White Sox win, five to two, Casey Mize, five innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, zero walks, two strikeouts, and he gave up a home run. So Casey Mize gives up a home run. He doesn't walk anybody, he has two strikeouts and he pitches five innings. Right? So kind of a kind of a weird start for Mize, right? He, he he had a tough first inning, and then he kind of rolled right on through, kind of got in a groove, and he got in a jam, and he got pulled, right? So in the end, he went through five innings, and, and out he goes. So the interesting part here is, is I liked Casey Mize's start outside of the four earned runs. I think it was a good start. His, he, he had good action on a lot of his throws, on a lot of his throws, a lot of his pitches. Sorry, I'm gonna get the baseball community angry if I say throws. I liked. Uh, I will say too as well. Dylan Cease. First off, 
The way he's undefeated against the Tigers is kind of terrifying. I'm not exactly a fan of that. But Dylan Cease's slider, I mean, that was that was nasty, the amount of the amount of Tiger batters that Cease got to bite on that slider. But but Mize had a lot of nice action on his pitches, and, and sometimes things happen and the bat the bats just connect for the White Sox. And and that's that's kind of what happened, right? And I'm not dismissing the the loss as like well they lost and it doesn't matter just because it was a close game right and well one it wasn't even that close they lost by three runs but when you lose five to two and you leave you know whatever it was nine nine players left on base you leave nine base runners or ten right it's not you know it's not ideal right that's not something you want when you're down three runs and when you're down for most of the game and you're trying to you're trying to win the, an early series against the reigning division champ last year so. So Myers had pitched five innings. He gave up the four runs. He had two strikeouts, but he didn't walk anybody. So he had, you know, everything, a lot of his pitches were in the zone, right? Obviously without the walk. So his location was okay. He just, there were a couple times where he would leave, he would just leave a fastball just just right down the middle and something, you know, it just get get connected. Couple couple sliders hung high on him, right? They didn't get down quick enough and, and the Sox batters got on top of it. So Baez had two hits and a strikeout. Miguel Cabrera had a hit, a walk, and a strikeout in the game. Uh, Torkelson played a little bit better. He had no hits, but he also walked twice, so at least he got on base. And he had two strikeouts as well. Austin Meadows had two hits and a strikeout. So, I mean, Baez, again, hits and strikeouts. Cabrera, a hit, a walk, and a strikeout. Torque, at least he got on base this time, Spencer Torkelson. And then Austin Meadows, he got two hits. So I can't really, I can't necessarily complain right now about about the the question mark players for Tigers this year, right? Because there's also what I'm, I'm not going to focus on every Tiger hitter. I'm going to focus on four main ones: Javier Baez, brand new; Austin Meadows, brand new; Cabrera, see what he's got left in the tank, and then the rookie supposed sensation, Spencer Torkelson. So game three, uh, I kind of want to forget about this game because the Tigers got smashed into oblivion. 10 to 1 which you know obviously was not what we wanted to happen but but let's just let's just go into this really fast and we'll get out of it because i don't want to be in this game much longer uh scooble started four innings pitched seven hits he gave up four in runs one walk three strikeouts no home runs uh kind of a lot like the uh like the casey mize start in a way right uh casey mize pitched five innings gave up seven hits school pitched four gave up seven hits they both gave up four earned runs uh, Scooble had one walk, Mice had none, but Scooble had one more strikeout than Mice did. So it was just kind of like one, one, one half dozen or the other, right? Or would you rather, you know, would you rather give up one more walk and have one more strikeout, or not walk anybody but have one less strikeout and then not give up a home run? So like it's just kind of, it's just sort of the same start except the bullpen kind of had a uh oh against the White Sox. I think it was Foley, I believe, that had a. A bit of an issue with the White Sox in that game but again Javier Baez nothing Miguel Cabrera one walk Spencer Torkelson walked again got on base struck out twice Austin Meadows had a hit and a strikeout so Austin Meadows had a hit in every game of the series which I think is good for someone who was obviously struggling last year did not look good dealt with dealt with injury and dealt with illness 
for a good portion of last season. So it's good to see him even when the team was struggling offensively, particularly in the second and third game of the season. It was good to see Austin Meadows get a, get at least a, a hit in both games, and he had two hits in game two. And and I think it's definitely you know a bright spot. I'm not going to say Austin Meadows is going to be the lead hitter on the team, but when you start like that, coming off of a really bad season, I think it's definitely encouraging. And, you know, he'll hit a slump. Everybody hits a slump. But for now, I think Austin Meadows definitely, this is about as distinct of of a statement that I'll say about this team. Austin Meadows, I think, definitely has a spot on this team 100%. And, and he could just end up be the guy that's put in place until Riley Green comes back from injury. It could very well happen that way, right? Riley Green's outfield talent has been much more displayed to be better than than Austin Meadows, right? Riley Green is a much better defender out in the field than Austin Meadows is, but I think definitely there can be conversations of how long can we sit Riley Green? I think we can now, I don't want Riley Green to be out longer than he needs to, but I think now 100% we can leave Meadows in there and we can give make sure we give Riley Green all the time that he needs. And I don't think this is now, you know, there were worries that potentially it could be like, the mentality could be like, oh hey, we're stuck with Austin Meadows now for the rest of for the rest of, you know, the six weeks or whatever that Riley Green's gonna be out and it's gonna be, you know, a, a sleepwalk of six weeks for Austin Meadows. And I think Austin Meadows realizes that, hey, look, I've got a sec- I've got another chance here to show off what I can do. I I am in this position because a player in ahead of me has gotten hurt and is now on the bench. So now it is my turn to step in and impress the team, the managers, and, you know, the audience and those watching in, in the MLB world. So, you know, those those that were doubting Austin Meadows now might, you know, might have a little bit to say about it. But again, it's only three games. But through that, I can definitely distinctly say that I think Austin Meadows really has a spot on this team. Because even in even in game three, when nothing was happening, Meadows still had a hit. He still made hard contact, and he still got on base in, in a game where the, the Tigers were never in it, and they were killed 10-1. to 1. So I like what I've seen from, from Austin Meadows. And here, next, we have the Red Sox game. Game one against the Red Sox, this was, what is today, Tuesday. So this was last night, Monday night. Matt Manning started, six innings pitched, one hit, one earned run, no walks, two strikeouts, and then he had the solo home run that was given up. So the one hit in the earned run was a solo home run. Outside of that solo home run, he was perfect through six innings. Matt Manning had a great start, and I think that is exactly what they need. Matt Manning is the example of what all these other young pitchers could do. You know, Tariq Skubal, Casey Mize, right? Eduardo Rodriguez, not as young as the other ones, but... It's an exa- Matt, What Matt Manning did is what any of these guys can do at any given point. But also, when you have Scooble that gives up four and runs in four innings with seven hits, you know it's just inconsistent. You, ne- you just never really know what you're going to get. But Matt Manning definitely represents what any of these young pitchers, you know, particularly him, Scooble, and Casey Mize, can all do on, on any given night in any given start. And so I'm gonna, I'm going to take a look today just to make sure I have the information right it was um 
for the Tigers, it was Tyler Alexander who started, pitched five, five and one-thirds innings, five hits, three earned runs, and four strikeouts and no walks. So Tyler Alexander didn't even have that bad of a start, and the Tigers were up 3-0 in this game, I believe. 3-0 or 3-1, and they lost 5-3. So the bullpen issues are still definitely in full effect. So that's going to be something that's going to have to get figured out. And But i got to be honest with you, Tigers have had a bad bullpen since I've been in elementary school. So what am I going to do about it? So Matt Manning, like I said, six innings pitched against the Red Sox in game one last night. Well, two nights ago at the time you're hearing this. Six innings pitched, one hit, one earned run, no walks, two strikeouts, and that home run. Javier Baez, the hero, he had the two-run home run in the eighth inning. Gave him the 3-1 to one win. He also walked. Cabrera, he had two hits. He had an RBI in the first inning. Uh, no walks, and Cabrera struck out once. Torkelson, uh, two at-bats, no hits, and a strikeout. Uh, Austin Meadows, two hits, two strikeouts. So, with all this said, with everything going on, you know, Javier Baez being the hero in, in Game 1 against the White Sox, in Game 1 against the Red Sox, Cabrera continuing to, to get hits and looking good overall outside of Game 3 the White Sox when nobody looked good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't say that you know they they look they look bad are they two and three yes did they leave one hanging against the white Sox in game two with everyone that they left on base yes were they up you know three to nothing today against the red Sox and they lost yes but i think definitely this team is going to compete a lot throughout the season right overall this team seems to be what we thought that they could be a team that's going to compete against a lot of good teams that's going to steal some games Hopefully they can beat the bad teams. They're young, they're inconsistent, but they're capable of winning games and making comebacks like you saw them make on opening day. The one thing that I am concerned about, I'm not, you know, this isn't red flag, uh-oh, we have a big issue, but but Torkelson looked looked bad. Spencer Torkelson did not look good. He's a rookie. That That's how it works, right? He's not going to come in. And, and smack two home runs in his first three games, right? It's not going to happen. But when you have a highly touted overall, you know, first overall pick like this, you know, when he looks like that, it's 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 scary because people build expectations in their head, and when these expectations don't get met, you know, it's one thing. And I and like I said, I didn't expect him to come in and do all these fantastic things in the first you know week that he was playing for the team. But I didn't necessarily expect him to have four at-bats and no hits and a strikeout in his first game. I didn't expect him to have no hits in his second game, no hits in his third game, and, oh, let me check again, no hits in his fourth game, right? I didn't expect him to get zero hits and a total of, you know, three, five, six total strikeouts in his first four games and only walk, I believe, three times yeah walk three times so he's only on base three times in his first four games and they were all because of walks right so it's not something that i'm you know incredibly concerned about i'm not you know i'm not saying he's a bust right i'm not crazy but it's just something we be aware of hopefully he gets better and i think obviously the game will develop and he can turn into a big time hitter it's just it's just not there yet and it's not ready and let's just keep watching the development See how see how it goes, and at the end of at the end of April, or you know maybe maybe midway through May, when I'm done with this semester of school, 
I'll take a look back and we'll see. We'll see how Torkelson has grown over you know the next three, three or so, four weeks of, of the season. So Torkelson didn't look good, but that's okay. You know, not freaking out. But there is a little bit of concern just because you know he didn't even he didn't even really make that hard of contact in 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 the series against the White Sox and in the game against the Red Sox. I think there was maybe one hard hit ball i believe he he pulled it and it just got i think it just got rifled down by the uh, shortstop for the white Sox. but even then that's that's a little bit fuzzy so you know i'm not gonna sound the sirens on spencer spencer torkelson but something to be aware of baez had five hits three strikeouts and one walk that's pretty much what we thought was going to happen he was going to hit a bunch of balls he was going to strike out a good amount of times the the one walk is a little bit of a surprise but you know why not uh but yeah the five hits and the three strikeouts over the first four games sure you honestly if it were me i would i'd love that i love that like i when i saw five hits three strikeouts i was like you know what i'll take that because i was expecting more like four strikeouts three hits and two home runs right that's that's what I was thinking, but ended up being five hits, uh, a two-run home run in the eighth inning of a 1-1 game, and then only had three strikeouts, and then a walk-off game-winning single on on uh, opening day. So I love what I've seen from Baez so far, and Baez and Meadows have been the most consistent of the opening series, and I think, like I said about Austin Meadows, he definitely has a place on this team, and I believe Javier Baez as well will have a place on this team. Baez is obviously the, the big signing, and the more obvious one of obviously he's going to have a spot on this team but you know we weren't we weren't sure how he's going to look with all the everything happening happening in New York you know thumbs down to the fans right there's all this stuff that happened when at the end of end of his tenure in Chicago right so there's just you know there were little things to be concerned about but but the fans have been incredibly open to Baez Baez has looked looked great so far he looks you know uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, locked in, but he also looks, you know, enthusiastic, right? It doesn't look like he's being forced to be there. You know, I'm not saying he wakes up every morning and goes, thank God I'm in Detroit. But, it, you know, he looks like he wants to be there. It looks like he, he's having fun with his teammates. It looks like there's there's just a good, good energy around everything that's happening right now with, with Baez in the locker room. I don't see any... Uh, signs of friction i don't see any signs of complications between Baez and teammates right i think i think there's a good there's a good culture going on right now in that locker room and i think Baez is contributing to it which is good to see so you know whether or not he's here in in two or three years is is a different question but i think for now for sure i think he's gonna have a big role on this team and he made some great defensive plays as well i mean his fielding percentage was was 95%, which, you know, in the opening series, that means you missed a play. And I, I know that he had that error. But on opening day, I mean, he had that beautiful play where he dove he dove to his right, grabbed the ball, threw it from one knee, you know, 120 feet or whatever it was, and Torque picked it up off the ground on first base, and it was it was a great play, right? And also, I want to go back to Torkelson really quickly. Defensively, he looked, he looked really good. I'll say on first base, some of the pickups that he had off the ground, very nice. He made, he's made some good plays on first base defensively. We just got to get the hitting figured out. So Baez, Torque, and Austin Meadows. Uh, lastly, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, Cabrera had a down year last year, but, I mean, he's getting older. What do you expect? The man's, just let the man get to 3,000 hits and let him walk. 
But, you know, he looked he look good in, overall in the opening weekend. He looked refreshed. Three RBIs in the first four games, four hits in the first four games. I mean, you can't ask for, for much more from a guy who probably doesn't have much time left in the league or at least with your team under the contract that he's on. So I'm not... I'm not at all, you know, disappointed in anything that Carrera did. I'm, I'm enthused. I'm glad he had some RBIs and made some good hits. And the fans obviously love Miguel. I mean, I, I love Miguel. I love Miguel Cabrera and everything that he's done while he's been here and been in town. So, I mean, I can't – I'm not going to say that Miguel's back, right? I'm not going to say that Javier is back, right? I'm not going to say that, that the, the prime El Mago has returned. But I'm just saying that both Cabrera and Javier Baez looked nice – and I think having Cabrera in the DH spot with Torkelson on first base is definitely a good thing for this team. It'll keep Cabrera fresh, and I think it's something that can be built upon. And I think the series, the, the ceiling for this team, realistically speaking, the ceiling for this team should be within five games of the wild card at the end of the season. I think that's the best best that they're going to do. Now, whether or not they get to that wild last wild card spot is, you know, that's a different discussion that we'll have in a couple of months. But for right now, I think yes. I think also the Red Sox and White Sox are both good teams that have high expectations this season and they've gone 2 and 3 in the first 5 games and I think I don't think that's anything to hang their head on especially for as young of a team as they have where expectations are raised but we really don't know we didn't know what they're going to look like and and when last year's april was so bad and they have the history of of starting okay in the first few games then just falling off you know just terrible in into the next three four weeks of the season i think we can take a look and say hey maybe maybe the next two weeks aren't as bad maybe we hover around 500 and we catch we catch fire in this pretty bad division so I'll be curious to see what they look like against teams that are supposed to be bad, like like especially the Royals and the Guardians, and you know we'll see what they look like against the Twins. But I mean, for now, with with the Red Sox and the White Sox, they looked inconsistent against the White Sox and inconsistent against the Red Sox. But they're two and three, and that's pretty much what we thought was going to happen. So I'm not really, you know, I'm not really scared. I'm not concerned necessarily about the Tigers. That, that they're gonna that they're gonna fail and that everything's gonna fall off after that ten to one loss or I'm not saying that they're gonna guaranteed be in the playoffs but I think they should be there I think they should be at least in this sort of conversation and I think that they should be discussed as a team that should be within six games come Labor Day maybe right so you know we'll see when the Royals when the Tigers go to Kansas City play the Royals on Thursday all right we'll see how they look against a team that should actually be bad but for now i think i think we're okay and i I liked what i saw overall so that's just kind of my little look at the the tigers opening weekend a little bit of baseball so that's what i've got that's what i got for today and uh yeah thank you all for entertaining yourselves using my grand audio production and if you are in north dakota right now uh stay safe drive safe and uh, go sledding anywhere that you can find any sort of hill, which is very difficult to find in these parts. So that's it. Thank you again for, for your fine and amazing support and all of the great things that you have said to me about my terrible opinions on Michigan State basketball. I will talk to you guys next week. And, yeah, have a good one. See ya, boys and girls. Bye. Go Tigers.
Also, in true idiot fashion, as I was recording this, Spencer Torkelson got his first MLB hit, and I look like a fool. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,